Today's guest is Barbara Ireland. Barbara had a near-death experience in 2010 at a remote camp in British Columbia, and while she had it, she had a four-hour life review. And today we're going to learn about it. Barbara, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff, for inviting me. You're I'm welcome. really intrigued. happy to be here. Oh, that's great. All right, so I like to jump right into it. Let's just start on the day of your NDE and what happened. Okay. So it was 2010. I had signed up for this crazy camp, like you said, in British Columbia, completely remote area. Um, we, we roll up there with our tents and everything, and they have a sign, first a li- liability form that was super scary, and then a non-disclosure form. So I can't tell you exactly what we did, but I can tell you it was a week long and every single day was scary stuff. I mean, things doing with heights, fire, creepy people um, trying to scare you to, to try to change your response to things like that. Sleep deprivation, three hours a night. It was a rough camp. And I didn't know exactly what, in fact, I didn't know what I was getting involved with. Um, The reason I went is, and we could talk about this later, but it was something that had happened a few months earlier where I heard all these negative thoughts, the stream of negative thoughts. And I thought, oh, you know, I've done therapy. I've done all these things. How am I continually still having these negative thoughts, I know I'll go to one of those camps that, you know, you, you deal with your fear and you, you push boundaries and you gain courage. I'm like, this will work. So that's why I was there. And, um, each day was terrifying and I was getting through it. So I was feeling pretty good about myself and strong and all that. But then the last day, was an endurance experience. And, you know, after going five, I guess it was five days by then, doing this stuff every day and not sleeping very much at night and sweating like crazy, which comes in later with my story, my body was just like, are you kidding me? I don't think so. But I didn't know it yet. So we start off on this endurance thing. It's hot sun. And halfway mark, I'm doing fine, feeling relatively strong and then things started getting really scary um the first thing that started going haywire were all my senses i i could hear someone really far away crystal clear but i couldn't hear my teammate i i could hear her but i sounded like this and barbara like it was completely mumbled up or jumbled up and I would just kind of nod and say yes, because I didn't know what she was saying and I didn't want to scare her. Um, and so I thought, I must be must be dehydrated. So I drank more and more water. Meanwhile, there's flashes of light. My legs are wobbly. I feel like I'm going to faint. And uh, it was completely surreal. And... Somehow I got to the finish line, and when I got back, there's these two rows of people as you as you run through the end, and 
that's what really scared me. They were, they were all like clapping, yay, you know, like normal when you hit a finish line. But they were all strobing. And then the sound was, and everything was echoey and there was flashes of light. And I was like, wow, this is terrifying. I don't know what's going on with me, but this is scary. So I sat down and I asked this friend I'd met, please get me a medic. Well, it was a long story to even find anyone called a medic. And I put that in quotes because the guy that showed up, which is all they had at this camp, a few of these medics, a sweet guy, really tried. But I think he probably had a three-hour CPR class. He was not a medic. And I don't know how they could put on a camp like this without a proper medic. But he took one look at me, and he, he just went pale. And I was just out of it. And I had, my friend told me later I had these really dark, circles under my eyes and like gray skin and just vacant eyes. And he did, you know, he took blood pressure and did all that stuff. And with each reading, he was getting more and more scared. And um, he did give me electrolytes though, which as it turns out, I think from a physical level is what saved my life because what was going on was a combination of heat stroke all that sun coming down on me. But more importantly for my body was something called hyponatremia. And this is uh, a problem that happens to like marathoners during long races and things where they're drinking a lot of water and they're sweating. And what's happening is your the sodium is getting leached out of your blood. And so when, the, when you don't have enough sodium in your blood, your blood crash, blood pressure crashes, and um, it's totally can be fatal. As can heat stroke. So I had both of these going on at once, but I didn't know what was going on. The the so-called medic said, "Let's put you back in your tent. Let you lie down." So we went back there. It was too hot to be in the tent. So I laid under this incredibly beautiful tree that I loved, I loved this tree. And my best friend thankfully was there and she was holding my hand and the medic said, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and check on you from time to time, just rest. And so I'm laying there, I had my eyes closed and the first really scary thing hap- that happened was I couldn't feel my left leg anymore. It's like, it just disappeared. And then I started screaming to my friend, my left leg, it's gone. Where's my left leg? And she didn't know what the hell was going on with me. Then the same thing happened with my right leg and then my left arm and then my right arm. So all I could sense of who I was was a torso and a head. And I felt kind of trapped there. Like I couldn't move anything. And I was just crying like crazy. And at that moment, these strange movies started up, Jeff. They were like a movie would come into my mind's eye, but it wasn't like a memory. It wasn't like anything. It wasn't like a thought. It was like a replay of something that happened two weeks earlier at a band practice with my brother. And we had gotten into an argument and this movie was playing and it was like, I was watching it. So I was like a witness to it. 
but I was also in the experience again. I was like in the movie. And so I could feel the things I was feeling. I could smell the things. I could hear my thoughts. It, it was amazing. And as this movie played, it wasn't for very long. At one point, it freeze-framed. And then this voice, it's not the usual voice in my head. It's not an external voice. It was like a really mellow male voice. And it said, what were you thinking right then? And I, I knew, I remembered what I was thinking and I expressed it. And the moment I expressed it, the movie flew off my screen and a new movie began of like a month earlier. And it's freeze framed at this moment where I raised my eyebrow and it said, what were you thinking at the moment you raised your eyebrow? And as soon as I answered, it went off. Another one came up and it would do things like these detailed moments. Another one was, um, what were you thinking when you turned your head down at that moment during a conversation? So it was just so fascinating because our body is revealing things going on in our psyche and our heart and our mind. And um, so this went on for four hours and the reason I know that is because I knew about when our exercise ended around lunch. And then when I came out of it, um, the, the sun was going down. Uh, I asked my friend. She'd been, she hadn't gone to the bathroom the whole time. She was <laughs> waiting for me to come out of it. So she knew how long it had been. And um, so that continued for four hours. And it was interesting. These questions about my thoughts were never about positive thoughts. They were always about things about criticizing myself, I noticed later, um, or judging someone, or a resentment, um, a replaying of a bad memory, a jealousy, all those negative thoughts we get in our heads. A worry, lots of worry thoughts. And as this was going on, Partway through this process, I started feeling this very odd sensation of this kind of wind or air coming out of the top of my head. And it felt kind of like this stream of a puff feeling. And I noticed that. And I, I've read enough about spiritual things to think I'm wondering if that's my life energy leaving. And Near the end of then, at the end of these questioning, I could feel that going up more and more. And suddenly the voice said, the movie stopped, and the voice said, Barbara, now you need to make a decision. Would you like to stay or go? And I knew that what, what that meant. Would I like to stay in my body or would I like to leave? Now, this is an interesting question because for people who live here who are having decent lives, you'd think, I, I wouldn't want to leave. Um, probably the people who aren't having decent lives are think like, go, you know. But anyway, I, I can tell you, Jeff, that I, I didn't 100% leave my body, but I literally felt like I was had one foot in and one foot on the other side. And there was like a, a sense of a veil between these two wor worlds that was so delicate and so sheer. And I could, 
I, I kind of see over there, but more I could feel what was on that side. And it was the most tremendous. It brings tears to my eyes because it's the most exquisite form of love that I have ever witnessed. We don't, as far as I can tell, we don't have it on earth. It's the, the, when people talk about unconditional love, this is a real deal. And the feeling of welcoming and love and kindness and non-judgment um, and ease on that side was very, very appealing. And I really thought about it. I was leaning towards leaving. But I, I asked questions. Um, and maybe later we'll get into those. But I had a conversation then with that voice that helped me make my decision. And when I decided, said I decided to come back, it said, if you go, okay, if you, great. You decided to come back, fine. Here's the deal. When you go back, you have to contact these four people in your life. The three that live in your city, you need to set up an appointment this week and spend the time telling them how much you love them. Actually, one was how much you love them. One was how much you love them and how much sorry I am for something I'd done. The third one was how grateful I was for the opportunities they had given me in my life. And then the fourth person was someone I needed to just start calling every week to try to heal the relationship. It could be like a two minute phone call, doesn't have to be deep, but to just start making that connection with them. So I said, yeah, okay, I promise I'll do that. The moment all that was settled, I could feel that puff of air going back into my head, over the top, into the top of my head. And one by one, each limb came back really quickly. I would say, if I were to guess, four or five minutes. And I felt exhausted as hell, really tripped out about everything that had happened, but relatively fine because I, unlike people who have physically died, did not have to have a, a, a physical, you know, fix everything back up. And I opened my eyes and I remember, I'll never, never forget the sight I saw when I opened my eyes and always makes me want to cry because like I said, the sun was going down and the back of my friend's auburn hair was all lit up. And there was the coolest fat bumblebee. There's like buzzing around this beautiful flower. And the tree that I loved was above me. And I looked at where we live. And I was like, this place is extraordinary. It's so fascinating how we don't notice it, how we just watch TV or go on a walk and don't even see the bumblebee and the clouds and smell things. And so I was like jolted back into my senses. And it was this exquisite feeling for a whole month. I mean, my senses were just alive. I was smelling things like 
I would walk, take a walk and I'd smell almost every flower on a block. It took me forever to get anywhere. It took me forever to eat food because I'd look at it. I'd smell it. If it was something I could touch, I'd kind of put it against my cheek and then I'd eat it and really taste it. And I was hearing music. I was a, a singer and a musician when all this was going on. And I could hear music, not just through my ears and kind of like half-assed listening to it, but I heard it through my whole body. And I really understood like on a completely different level what the lyrics were saying. So this was a beautiful week. And then slowly, Jeff, things started coming back to normal. You know, I would listen to music while I was doing something else. I would take a walk and, you know, sniff a few flowers. I'd be starting to worry again. I was starting to notice some self-criticism. I forgot to mention, for that month, all that was gone. The negative thoughts were gone. The worry was gone, which was my kryptonite. And all that started coming back. The resentments, the jealousies, the not good enough, I can't, all the crap that happens. And that's when I sat down. I was just like, you must be joking. I went to a near-death experience. I went to that insane camp and, and just barely lived to tell about it. And I still have negative thoughts. This is not cool. What was so that's when I asked myself, what was the common denominator of all those questions that I was asked during that long life review? And that's when I realized they were all about my thoughts. A few of them were about what I was feeling, um, but most were about my thoughts. And I said, oh, I understand. That whole experience, that whole life review was showing me the creative power of my thoughts and of everyone's thoughts for ill or for joy. It can go either way, depending where we're putting our focus. And I thought if I could just start shifting how I'm thinking and what I'm thinking about and focusing on, I wonder what would change in my life. And I dove into three years of study about how we think about neuroscience, about the cellular addiction we get to negative emotions, which is insane. Um, psychology, spirituality, trying to understand what is this thing called depression? What is this thing called anxiety? What are all these negative emotions? And um, what I found out is there's two kinds of negative thoughts. I'm sure there's plenty, but it can be boiled down to these two. One is the negative thought that goes in your head and goes out and you're, you just go on with your day. And then there's the one I call mind loops. And that's the one I work with. I work with them myself, continue to work with, and that I um, wrote my book on and train people in, in workshops. And the work, the, the mind loops are when you have like a worry that comes into your head and it loops in there like a crazed hamster. And, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, I, 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 I compare it to when you have a horrible song from a commercial that you hate just stuck in your head 
and you're like, I hate this song. Why won't it get out? And you do, you try to force it out. You try to ignore it. None of that works. It loops. It comes right back. So it's the same process with all these negative thoughts. And maybe you or your viewers can, can connect with having like, oh, why did I say that on the phone? What an idiot I am. I shouldn't have done that. And then you move on and then 10 minutes later, why did I say that to that person? You know, like that. Or 10 years ago, someone cheated on you and you're still looping about, still comes up. You know, it's like that person cheated on me. It's good Lord. When can we let go of this stuff? And like I said, uh, worry was my kryptonite. And I was always worried about this one person. I didn't feel their light. They were (laughs) doing healthy things to their body. And so I was always thinking they were going to die. Oh, good Lord. What a waste of my energy. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. But at that point, I was looping about this, losing sleep and um, losing energy and everything. So I worked I worked on myself during those three years. I tried all these different techniques to figure out how do you interrupt that loop? And I came up with something I call the de-looping method. So my book covers the first four steps of that, which is all the, the thought aspects of it. Um, the whole method goes into then the emotions and then the reprogramming, which is a little bit more where I'm doing my work these days. But um that chef that transformed my life to the point where people who knew me before and knew me now say you're almost like a different person because I was a generally uh, generally happy person I would say in my life but the problem is I would be going along doing my thing and then something would trigger this loop and it was like the, the negative momentum of it would take me down into depression. Um, and so I got on antidepressants and I'd, I'd work my way back up. And then I'd be going along and the airplane would just start getting off the ground again. And then something would hit again and the airplane has to land again. You know, it was basically my moods were not stable. And so I could never get traction. I, um, you know, I was going through divorce. I was on antidepressants. My energy wasn't sustained. um, I wasn't making the amount of money I needed to make. And yet I was still living a pretty cool life. So it's, you know, we don't have to be down in the dumps 100% of the time to notice there's a lot more to be lived in this life. And to who wants to go down into clinical depression? It sucks down there. So, um, I de-looped myself continually, continually. I mean, I had notes in my house to remind me to do the different steps. And lo and behold, my life started taking off. That airplane did get out into like the cruising altitude and things started opening up. I started having, uh, you know, different artistic things would happen and, opportunities and money started flowing and relationships started getting better. And I thought, okay, my whole life is transformed by this. I need to write a book. So that's why I wrote the book. And I am 
super happy that it that it's helping other people as well. So that's the basic story of my near death experience. All right, let me go back and ask you a few questions of what I'm curious about. Okay. As you were going through your life review and you appeared to, you know, watch something and then a voice would ask you a question about the life review and then you would move on to the next one. After that voice asked you the question and you answered it, did that seem to resolve the issue with that certain memory? No. No, it just, it was like um, a quick fire question and answer series, Mm -hmm. but it didn't change the effect of that question. Mm, Um, Except, um, yeah, my work happened when I got back. This was more about illuminating the problems. I will say, though, that uh, um, quite a few resentments were resolved. So it was almost like, almost like I could view what was being, uh, what the other person was trying to talk to me about when we got into a um debate or something I could almost view it more from their side as well as mine and so that my resentment towards them during that the level went way down Mm. um, which made it easy when I needed to start healing um, connections with people that week when I came back um, and and the high and the being said you had to call these different people or have meetings with them. I I saw them more as a whole person, not just someone I love, but I was super PO'd with. It was like, they're a whole person just like me. We all have, you know, you get the idea. We all have our different sides of how we're viewing a conversation or a conflict. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea who was the being that was asking you these questions? I have an idea, but I don't generally say because it's, um, I don't know. And I, I, my feeling is that, well, I really don't know. It, it could be, I'm just going to say no. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's fair. Um, now, while you were having your life review, did your friend tell you like what, state your body was in i thought you said that your eyes were closed yeah you laying there still breathing or not breathing or did she just see you look like you were unconscious and then you finally woke up or what was her viewpoint of what was going on with you yeah she um she was doing reiki on me and and praying like the entire time and so when i actually opened my eyes her back was to me and her she was still holding my hand she was in her meditative state, but she said, um, I mean, I was crying really hard at the beginning before all the movies started. And, um, she said it would be punctuated by these, uh, like responses like, Oh, or, um, like almost a laugh or like, I, like you would (laughs) during a conversation, um, and then of course, you know, 
with my head. Something's going on with my head. I would call out to her and I was like, when the thing was coming out or, you know, for sure, when the limbs were shutting down, I'd say, my leg. You know? mm-hmm. So she was hearing things, but she didn't have any idea what was going on. It was really interesting later when I was telling her, she said, I really had no idea where you had gone. I knew you just weren't fully here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think that you can give us any practical advice or, you know, any tips to deal with mind loops here that we can just, you know, put to use on our own? Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, the first three steps go hand in hand. And the, the first one is going to sound so simple and it's very hard, so, but it's all important. And that is just start knowing what you're thinking in your head. Um, the majority, I don't know about the majority, but a lot of our negative thoughts are unconscious. And um, Carl Jung said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And so the whole thing is, what am I saying? And that was a, a lot of my first beginning work on myself. What is going on up there? And our, our thoughts, those unconscious ones, I believe are based on really early childhood programming. Even the best, the best meaning parents in the world get stressed out or say something that's misinterpreted by the child, let alone normal parents that actually have problems and they aren't always at their best with their children. And um, no knocks on parents. I'm not a parent, so I, I get how hard. I, I don't get. I can guess how hard it is to be a parent. But those messages that are said, like, hurry up, or, gosh, you're so clumsy, you know, anything like that gets sucked in to our brains because our brains are just forming, and they're literally at a different hertz level um, for the first 12 years of our lives than they are after that. So the first two years of our lives, we're in a delta state of brain waves, which is basically like sleep. And then after until I think age six, it goes to theta, which is deep hypnosis. And, and it goes higher and higher as the years go on. And the reason for these really slow brain waves is so that we can learn so fast. We don't need to be told how to stand and walk. After a few tries, our our whole subconscious has it down. And we're like, okay, I get how to do this. Or learning languages. We're sucking it in like hypnotism. Um, And so anything that is being said or things we see or things we hear, um, strong experiences we have when we're a child – they get locked into the subconscious. We are not even aware of these messages until we start tuning into them. And that's, so that's the whole first step. And, and it's so fascinating when I work with people, the first week is usually about what, what are you saying up there during the day? And I'll almost always get a few people who email me and say, What's going on? I've never thought so many negative thoughts in all my life. What are, what are you doing to me? <laughs> like, oh, you're just noticing them. That's what's going on. 
So that's the first step. Just start noticing. You got to start tuning in. And um, there's a lot of ways to do that, but that's the first step. The second one is detaching from it. And, you know, when we have a negative thought, um, I am jealous, I am dumb, whatever it is that we say to ourselves, I am fat. We are saying I am, it's our becoming our identity. We are one with that thought. And so this next step is going to sound so simple, but it's basically the process of separating you from your thought. So it can be out here and you go, oh, it's just a thought. Um, and uh, all it is is, is uh, what I call the name game. You just name it. That's just one of the two methods in my book. And you name it like that's a mind loop. Or, you know, you think I'm fat. Oh, that's a mind loop. Or that's a negative thought or whatever you want to name it. And it sounds so simple, but there were tests, US uh, research that UCLA did where they hooked people up to, you know, brain monitors. And when they would name things, name, name a thought like that, the amygdala part of the brain, the fear, um, negative, I don't know, but kind of negative part of the brain would literally calm down. So it's very simple. You notice the thought, you name the thought. And then the third step is detouring your thought. So if, if you just stop at the first two, you will feel better because it's, it's you're interrupting that loop that's going on, but it will probably come back pretty quick. So what you have to do is consciously make a point of choosing something different to think about. And it could be breathing. It could be saying, how many yellow things can I find in this room? Getting your mind off it. It can be movement is really good for this. It can be um, an opposite thought than what you're thinking. Instead of, you know, I'm dumb, say, I'm actually really smart. I'm a smart person. So it's, um, so those are the three things that go hand in hand. They come right after the other. Um, and then the fourth the fourth segment is about removing the story from whatever the thought is. And that takes a little more digging, but um, we all tell stories. You know, I remember I had a client who um, he was dating, dating this woman just kind of early on and really, really was into her and she wouldn't respond to any of his texts like all evening all morning and he was you know he was just like i know she's done with me i'm certain we had a fight yesterday or whatever and he was just absolutely certain i'm like well we don't know that that's a story turns out of course her friend actually took the phone her own phone home with her and now she didn't have a phone you know the usual mix up that life has and Boy, it's unbelievable how many stories we tell when we start noticing them. Um, why that person didn't smile back at me. Um, why I didn't get the job. You know, it just It's crazy. <laughs> so, so that's the, the steps that I cover in the book. It really, really starts changing things. I would think that most people have a certain amount of chatter always going on in their mind, thinking about stuff, you know, and some of it, if not all of it, is... Not on, I mean, it's there, but it things pop into your brain 
unconsciously, kind of as you were mentioning before. Um, I heard a guy say, no such thing as free will. And his kind of test to show you that was, if I told you, think of your, think of your favorite movie. And then as soon as you say that, all of a sudden movies will just pop into your mind. You won't be sitting there just really Rolodexing movies and seriously think about it. Initially, movies will pop into your mind without you really having to think about it. So that's he was kind of trying to show that, you know, a lot of your mind is on autopilot. Would you say that's true? And, And is that what you're saying? What you're doing is you're trying to interrupt that. Or reprogram that because it sounds like it would still be on autopilot, but you just got to reprogram it into a positive way for you. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of see these brains of ours as it's kind of like um, they're so incredibly powerful. Like you said, like I said earlier, there's such a creative, incredible force for, for positive or negative uh, aspects of our life. But no one teaches us how to use this thing. And so um, I liken it to a child that's been given a kerosene lamp and some matches. It's like, man, this could be the most incredible thing for this person, you know, to have light in the darkness. But they could do something wrong and get blown up. And that's kind of how I see our brains. And so the thoughts, yes, they're just going to pop in. And you're right, this process is about being conscious of where we're putting our focus and interrupting the ones that are going to loop. Because the problem with these mind loops is that once we get on the the track, it goes down. It's just going to go down because, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like contagious. They, you know, once I say I'm you know, I'm so bad at something, whatever it is, I start thinking about all the other things I'm bad at, um, or failures from the past. Um, and then I tell someone else and then it kind of, the the contagious jumps to them. They're like, yeah, I'm bad at something else too, you know? And then it spreads this like virus of negative thinking. And so that if you, if you can interrupt that process, that loop, then you actually have a chance to start thinking a different thought that brings uses the same power of this loop, but brings it upwards. Um, and so, oh yeah. So the, as far as automatic thoughts, de- definitely. I don't think there's a, a way to maybe, unless you're a master meditator, maybe I'm sure they can monitor and, and, and work with their thoughts in a different way as far as stopping thoughts. But I think for the most of us, we're not going to be stopping any thought that's popping in our head, but we can choose whether we want to focus on it or if we want to de-loop that and move on to something that's much more healthy and beneficial for us. Hmm. All right. Back to your NDE real quick. Do you feel like you are spiritually transformed by it? And if so, what was your transformation? Yes. Um, I will say that I came here with um, very strong intuition, came to earth with a strong intuition and um, some kind of mystical things that have happened, you know, since I was a child. But after that, that whole part of myself just blossomed completely. Um, 
I, a few years after it happened and I cleaned out the closet of dirty laundry that was hanging in there, which were my thoughts. And I started having some space to, to, to put something else in there and just kind of listen to other things, listen to my intuition better. Um, I started hearing guidance and it's from one particular guide that uh, I hear constantly. And, and whenever I need this guide, the guide is ready to help me. And it's, and he, I'll say he, but I, I don't know, gives me guidance on anything as something as small as where are my glasses? Like I can't find my glasses to something as big as uh, underlying causes of disease, like the seed of a disease, where it comes from, like these vast um, pieces of information. Um, sometimes I block the message and I can tell now when I'm blocking it and I just quit asking. Um, but I, I don't, I haven't talked much about this. It's only recently I started talking about this guy because it's kind of trippy for people, but yeah, that has been the biggest um, other than the de-looping. That's been the biggest uh, change in my life and gift in my life. Um, I also have gotten a couple times uh, messages from people who have died and asked me to tell someone like a spouse or a best friend a message, which is really weird for me because uh, it, it's a, it's a strange thing to go to someone that, you know, I don't even know that well and don't have any idea of their spiritual background or what they'll think, but I did it um, both times. And it was, it led to, amazing conversations between me and the other person because some of the information that came through from the deceased person was like coded information in a way, you know, like a inside joke. And as soon as I said it, I just remember the first time the guy paused and then he burst out laughing. Like it had meaning to him. It was kind of a sexy comment, I think. <laughs> so he was, he was like, Oh yeah, I remember that. You know? So, um, those are two of the things that have happened. And in a, I've always been empathic, but holy cow, it's kind of irritatingly empathic now. <laughs> Can you give us any tips to help us with positive conscious creating? Yeah. So, so my work is, has been mainly about getting rid of the negative thoughts, cleaning out the closet, because once that is cleaned out, you can start asking yourself, what do I want instead of what do I not want? And all growth that I have seen and understand stems from two different motivations. It's either to get away from something, like get away from a toxic relationship or get away from negative thoughts or get away from like alcohol, like like someone's trying to stop alcohol, you get away from the things that are causing the problems or the motivation comes from moving towards something you do want towards a, a joy, a health, whatever it is. So there's strong motivation on each side. And so much of my work up to this point has been focused on getting away or, you know, stopping 
the pattern of negative thinking. But the cool thing is the reason that 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 is done is so you can start moving towards the things you want. And the, the, that creative power of thinking comes in really big. I mean, when you look at things like the words like manifesting, um, I prefer conscious creating because um, that's what it is. You're consciously creating something new in your life that you're, that's beneficial. You first have to know what you want. And I, I heard a statistic, I read a statistic once that said only one person in a hundred actually knows what they want. And, you know, usually when you, when you think about that, you're like, yeah, no, no, I know what I want. I totally thought I knew what I wanted until you start digging in. Like you say, yeah, I want health. I want love. I want success. You know, whatever it is, I want purpose, all these things, but success doing what health doing like does that mean sleep does that mean higher energy does that mean your elbow healed um if it's you need more funds how much funds do you want you know and uh it's just fascinating to me that we don't generally know so a lot of this new work is first about getting people to understand what do they want and then starting to create that by um, there's a, there's a lot of cool methods, but one is all uh, enjoying what you already have saying, you know, you might be like, I remember riding by uh, these beautiful houses on the water on my bicycle. And I said, God, I would, I really want a house like that on the water. And I caught myself. I said, but wait a minute. I really am happy I have a a roof over my head. I want what I already have. And then I can start feeling good about where I live. And that starts opening everything up to start creating what you what you want in the future. I don't I don't know if that made sense, Mm -hmm. but that's it. It's really about removing the negative loops and then start replacing them with enjoyment of what you have, um, limiting complaining, um, uh, asking the universe for help. You know, one of the things my guys told me is whenever people have problems or they want help with something, that anything on the anything on the other side is not able to help that person unless they ask for the help and i think that's really cool actually in a way it's like we are given free choice in that it's like hey i want to do it my own way then great do it your own way if it's working for you great if it's not if you do want a little help from some unseen forces then ask for it and the cool part is things start happening and you do, and you start noticing weird synchronicities and um, the phone call from someone you just thought about, you know. Anyway, that's that's kind of how the door starts opening between conscious, unconscious creating and then conscious creating. Hmm. All right. Well, you have your book out. Do you have any, are you working on a second one or are you working on any projects that you want us to know about? 
Yes, I am working a lot on some conscious creating um, things, goodies. Um, one I want to tell your audience about is a really beautiful course that I have created um, that's free to your viewers. And it, I'm going to be presenting it uh, pretty soon. And if they would like to sign up for it, um, well, it's, let me tell you what it's about. It's the three top unconscious negative thoughts that are stopping the flow of conscious creating in one's life and ways to pull those blocks out. And so you can actually, if you are working on manifesting or you just want to feel happier, this will help you become conscious again of the thoughts that you're saying. And then work, move those out so you can start getting the flow happening better in your life. And so the, the way to sign up is www. The number three unconscious. See, what is it? Blocks. Three unconscious blocks course.com. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really excited about that. Um, and yeah, I have some other projects in the works. I always, this, this is my year. I always start my year with a word for the year. This year's word is finish. <laughs> Jeff, I have so many like half done projects that are really cool. But then I have this like, oh, but I had this cool new creative impulse and I start something new. So this year I'm finishing and um, I have some really cool things coming out because of that. That's great. You know, we spoke about your book, but I never asked you what the title is and where do you find it? Yes, it's called How to Stop Negative Thoughts, What My Near-Death Experience Taught Me About Mind Loops, Neuroscience, and Happiness. And it's on Amazon. Mm. And it comes with um, two, two freebies. One is a, a workbook that um, I think is really, really helpful. It's online, free, free workbook. And the other is a um, audio book of one by um, Emmett Fox, Emmett Fox, an amazing writer from a long time ago. And I'm reading his book called The Seven Mental, oh, what is it? The, um, I'm so sorry. I can't remember the, the title of the book, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a mental diet, basically. Mm -hmm. It's about getting rid of negative thoughts. It's perfect. It goes hand in hand with the book. Would you say that the greatest lesson then that you learned from your NDE, would it be mind loops or just being conscious of your thoughts? Yeah, both of those, I, I kind of see them hand in hand. That's the one they spent all the time on for me personally. That was really, really important for me personally. And I think it's to clean my own life up, but also to share that with people. Um, and I want to tell you the two other big, big gifts I got from the near-death experience. One, um, the reason I, I was told this is a whole nother story. I won't go into that, but I will say the most important thing I was told of being here on earth is has to do with your relationships with people. It's not about your career, 
your what you leave behind as far as books and things like that. All that's great. That's important. But what really is important is how you treat other people. If you come in with kindness and you know uh, heart open, that kind of thing. And what kind of wake do you leave behind as you go through life? Is it like a bumpy, dirty wake? You know, you leave a room and, and leave everyone and it's like this toxic, emo- energetic mess. Or do you clean up your side of the street? Do you um, give people the benefit of the doubt? Are you willing to compromise? Um, are you sharing love? Are you sharing your gifts? That was the most important thing of all. And then the, the third major gift was the simple fact that we could any of us die at any moment. I mean, there's no way in hell I thought I was going to die at that camp. (laughs) There's no way. I I was super healthy. My grandma lived to be 104. You know, it just didn't make any sense. But, and yet it happened to me. So close, so close. And so, um, especially in a time of COVID, um, when people are, you know, we're dealing with, the, the concept that death is around us. I mean, really, really, if one can start noticing what a gift it is to be in a body, to have these incredible sensory experiences that we have, to, to notice stuff like the moon and, and you know, your, your romantic partner's touch on your skin and the, the kindness of strangers and the smells, uh, when we start noticing that stuff and doing what I said, want what I have, want what you have, and then build from there, life starts taking on a completely different sheen because someday we aren't going to be here to experience it. So those were my three gifts. And yes, they spent the most time on the thoughts for me and I'm glad they did. Do you have a website, like a regular website, besides your course, like BarbaraIreland.com or something? Yes. Yes, I have BarbaraIreland.com, and you'll see it has like two doors on it. One side is about how to stop negative thoughts, all my mind loops work, and the other side is my music side. Um, this mind loop stuff has kind of taken over my my reality, but I still engage in singing a lot but and that's shows more of the music um i mean the whole reason i got into that camp i i'm not going to go through this whole story i know we're running out of time here but i was those that stream of negative thoughts that started all this happened while i was performing on stage and i was on tour with in a band with the guitar player from Pearl Jam, Stone Gossard, we were in a band together. And this crazy stream started that was triggered by this guy in the front row that hated what we were playing. And it was like, wow, where'd all this come from? So anyway, most of my music stuffs, um, you know, at least captured someone on the other side of the website. So yeah, BarbaraIreland.com. If people engage with you on social media like Facebook or email you, do you respond or are you more of a private person? I know I respond much as I can. Might be, you know, a day or two before I see it. 
but definitely I, I love connecting with people. I mean, especially because I was told relationships are the most important thing. So I do my best to stay up with it and, and talk with people. If they have questions or whatever, uh, I'll be there to, to comment. All right. That's great. So before we wrap it up here, do you have one last message that you'd like to share with the audience? There is, and it has nothing to do with thoughts and mind loops and all that. It has to do with the heart. And I feel that if we each take time every day, if possible, even once a month, if we can just manage it a little bit more, is to start opening up our hearts. And once we start opening our hearts more, we will be kinder to other people. We will be kinder to ourselves. We will be happier. Relationships will start improving. Our conscious creating slash manifesting will improve. Um, this is a tremendous practice to put, put into your life. Um, you'll feel healthier. And so what I suggest to people and, and I literally have three alerts on my phone that come out during the day. And it's to remind myself to open my heart. And, you know, there's going to be moments when a car cuts you off or you get in an argument with your, your partner. And it's just like it, it shuts down. So it's really important to open it up. And it sounds abstract. But all I suggest you do is to just close your eyes for a moment and maybe tap that area so you're kind of focusing on that area where your heart area is and then picture it like a cold cube of butter that's been in the refrigerator the freezer and the sun a real nice sun is on it and it just slowly starts melting and it's incredible what starts happening from just that very very simple practice thank you for that barbara and thank you for being my guest I really appreciate you and I wish you the best with all you're into and have a great evening. Thank you. And, and Jeff, before we go, I want to just quickly acknowledge you for all the effort you put into this, all the um, curiosity for your passion and for your gentle vibe. You have the mm. most beautiful voice and gentle um, quality about you. And I, I really, really appreciate you and all you're doing for all of us who get to take in these cool interviews that you, that you do. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks again for being my guest. I appreciate it. And um, I guess we're done. All right. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Jeff. I hope you have a great evening. Okay. Likewise. I wish you the same. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.